Good afternoon, everybody. Um, I'm going to start with a joke, right? I never tell jokes because they're always really bad, right? But and I'm going to share this joke with you because I tried to share it with my husband last night and he finished the joke for me. I'm like, I never get to tell a joke and when I do, you say the end before I get a chance to say it. So here goes. So like, you know, like in some comedies and sitcoms, they do like canned laughter. Yeah, so they're guaranteed laughter. I'm, I'm, I'm guaranteed laughter here, please, because I really need bigging up after Barry <laughs> annihilating my joke last night. So a bunch of scientists go to God and they say to God, hey, listen, we have mastered that much that we can now make people ourselves. God said, go ahead. So they bent down in the dirt and God went, whoa, get your own dirt. Thank you, thank you, thank you. No, thank you. You can pipe down. Now, now I have got a homegrown joke as well. This is not a comedy sketch, everybody, and I don't know what it is. I'm not going to do the homegrown one because my kids and my husband like, are embarrassed, although Sophie did howl laughing at it at the dinner table. If you want to know my homegrown joke, Nick appreciated it as well, didn't you, Nick? But I'm not going to do it here because this is going out live on the web and people may never come to our church once they've heard my homegrown joke. Um, but it is pretty funny, right? <laughs> I'm not going to lie. So feel free to come and ask me later. But anyway, Brilliant. sometimes we, like these scientists in this joke, we come to God as if we've got it all together. And if we got all the answers, and then actually when we try and do it ourselves, we're just trying to create something out of something that God had created already. And as we enter into this section of the meeting, I want us to put aside any misconceptions that we may have that we've got all this in hand and we've got it all under control. Because here's the thing, that will block what God is trying to speak to us about. And, and me and Barry have set out from the start that we don't want to be pastors of a church who we just turn up to have a good time. This church is never going to become a club where we all just belong and we're all just... Now, the point of gathering together, as Tony has talked about today, is there is a power when we gather. Ooh, a power when we gather? I quite like that. There is a power when we gather. Because when we come together and we collectively worship, and we collectively praise God and we leave behind anything else that's gone on as we walk in this room. There is a power that happens when we give God his right place. So the point of coming to church is that we leave different to how we came in. God is more than capable of doing that, everyone. The times I don't leave changed is because my mind's wandered onto something else. I've got an attitude problem and maybe that's only ever me that has an attitude problem towards God, but sometimes I have an attitude, well, I have an attitude problem towards you sometimes. <laughs> um, but sometimes I do because I think to myself, oh, it's all right, God. It's all right, God. I've got it. I've got it. And the truth of the matter is, I haven't. Unless I'm doing it with him, I haven't. Because I am trying to do something that he originally created. And just like those scientists that are like, we have got it sussed. Yeah. And then God's like, get your own dirt. Excellent. Get your own dirt. Don't use mine. So let's put it all to one side as we start. Um, if you're new here today, you are most welcome. We did our first service this morning. This is our second service of the day. And uh, our second service is never less than the first. We give our best at both services. This morning we had salvations again in church, which was amazing. You know, we have a goal. Um, we have set a goal that over the next four months, we are going to see 10 families established in this church, 10 extra families. So this morning, two lots of household salvation. I appointed one of them out and he was like, there you go. There's one family established in the church that a few months ago we didn't have. There's one. And then when I was sat on the front row, I thought about the other one. And I was like, yeah, okay. And the wife just got saved there this morning. Household salvation. Another family established for Christ. Another family established for Christ. Because the enemy would lead us to believe 
that actually families are breaking down when they are not breaking down. They are not breaking down. God is building families. And you may not be married with children today, but I'll say pray into your future. Whatever that future is, begin to pray into it. Um, If you want a title for my message today, it's this. Fan-based or faith-based? Fan-based or faith-based? And where this message came from, a couple of weeks ago, I was teaching our interns that we have on a Friday. And I was teaching them something completely different. And one of them asked a question that led me on to some other scripture, Bibles, verses out the Bible. And I began to read them. And this passage of, and, and section of verses out the Bible, I've heard loads of times. And it's usually the end section that people will quote and make the whole story about. Um, but God brought something else out of it as we were talking, and these, these verses were not planned. It wasn't planned for me to speak on them from my perspective, but it clearly was because God wanted to bring something out of it. And um, so as I was reading these, you know, and this is how my, my message has come about. It's come from that moment the other Friday where God said that this is a subject that we can all struggle with. Now, sometimes, or often we'll stand up here and say, some of us in here, but actually I would say that even if this is something we are, aren't struggling with at the moment, this is something that we know we have struggled with and something that we need to be aware of. And um, it's out the, uh, uh, the chapter of the Bible, Luke chapter 11. And I'm teaching this because God said this is something that he wants us to be aware of. It's a three-phase three-section message today. If you've got your notebooks or however it is, you, what you do, gadgets, whatever, let's get them out and let's take them down because God's word is powerful. It's powerful. So starting in Luke chapter 11, verse 14 to 16. One day Jesus cast out a demon from a man who couldn't speak. And when the demon was gone, the man began to speak. Now, if we were there at that moment in time, and we saw that miracle take place in front of us. If Jesus was here in person today and that miracle took place, I would be wowed. I would say that's got the wow factor. I would be amazed at what the Lord had done. And it goes on to say, the crowd were amazed. Then it goes on to say, but some of them said, no wonder he cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan the prince of demons. This is Jesus Christ, son of the living God. They could not have got it more wrong. Like, if if you're going to misrepresent anybody with this accusation, like, he's the one man not to because they couldn't have been further from the truth. And so much of the crowd were amazed, but then others said, no wonder he can cast out demons because he gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. Jesus Christ, son of the living God, instantly misrepresented, instantly, by voices, by people, instantly misrepresented, instantly taken down, or they tried to, instantly. Others, trying to test Jesus, demanded that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. These people thought they were within their right to stand in judgment. They thought it was their right to have an explanation from Jesus. They thought it was their right to stand while he proved who he was. Jesus has never needed to prove who he was. But there were voices in his world at that moment that believed he did. And so we have a situation where there's been an amazing miracle happened. This amazing work of God has happened. And people are amazed by what's going on. But the voices that questioned who he was, questioned his integrity, questioned what he stood for, questioned who he was aligned with. And they thought it was their place to summon Jesus. People will often think they are within their right 
to ask you to prove who you are. They will believe it is their right to ask you to prove. You see, the thing with Jesus here was his motive. His motive for that miracle that he did that day was to set somebody free. His motive was always to bring glory to God. And although his motive was right and he did this most amazing work of God, there were voices that tried to pull him down. There were voices that tried to discredit him. Jesus didn't achieve all he did in his life down here by having a fan base. He achieved all he did down here because he had a faith base. Jesus was disliked by an incredible amount of people if you didn't already know. Jesus was portrayed in a way that was completely wrong and completely contrary to the man that he was. Jesus was pulled apart. Jesus was hurt. Jesus was, was uh, betrayed. People hurt him. People abandoned him. People betrayed him. Not everybody loved him. Not everybody believed in him. Not everybody believed him. There were people and they weren't loyal to him. There were people and they, they were in his inner circle, so to speak. There were people that he trusted to move close to him and betrayed him and handed him over to be killed. He had those people in his world. And if he had chosen to live a fan-based life, it would have never led him to the cross. And it would never have led to our freedom. Because that sacrifice was what changed everything. But Jesus chose to live a faith-based life. Knowing, knowing what his purpose was, knowing why he was walking the earth. And he chose to live that regardless of the voices that were going on around him. Because he knew, he knew when people don't believe me, it's okay. When people don't love me, it's okay. When people hurt me, it's okay. When we live from the angle of a fan-based life, we are shrinking down what we have been called to do. We are shrinking it right down because we can only ever achieve then the limits that other people put on us and the words that other people speak about us. If at that moment everything crumbled because they have, I mean, that's probably the worst thing you could say, that he's a Satan. That's not just a name called. That's like the worst of the worst to say to Jesus. If at that point he began to crumble because he was relying on a fan base rather than a faith base, he'd have stopped. And to then be asked, well, prove yourself. I historically was somebody who felt I needed to prove myself to people. And then if somebody thought something about me, then it was my duty to prove that I wasn't what they thought I was. And then one day, God set me free. <laughs> and I realized, uh-uh, I'm not answerable to anybody other than God. And God set me free that I didn't have to. And I can't tell you the times I've sat in front of people. I've been on the phone to people. I've sent text messages to people. I've sent emails to people going, but I'm not that kind of person. And I'm really sorry if it's come across like that. And, and sometimes, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying it's wrong to say sorry. You don't need to prove yourself to anybody. The only thing you need to check is the motive of your heart. And if the motive of your heart is pure and the motive of your heart is before God, you know that you can stand, you keep on going. Because wherever Jesus walked, there were those voices. Even amongst his disciples, there was those voices. Even amongst his disciples, he'd perform a miracle and then he'd get to the next town and they'd go, Jesus, what are we going to do now? I'd be like, are you for real? Have you just been with me? So everywhere he walked, there were doubters, there were complainers, there were critics, there were downright wicked people. 
everywhere he went. His life was filled with misrepresentation and his life was filled with people who didn't get him and his life was filled with people who hated him and his life was filled with people who hurt him. But it didn't derail him because he chose a faith-based life, not a fan-based life. And the question to go out to us today is, are we living a fan-based life or are we living a faith-based life? Because if I am living a fan-based life, which praise God he set me free from and made me realize that this was not the way to live and it, I did not need to do those things anymore. If we are living a fan-based life, we will soon be derailed. But if we are living a faith-based life with our focus completely on God, seeking the kingdom of God above all else, which is what Jesus did when he walked this earth, we won't be derailed. We'll go, okay, I know the motive of my heart. God knows the motive of my heart. I'm going to keep on going. And I'm going to keep finding people who need Jesus. And I'm going to show them the way. And I'm going to keep sowing into people's lives about how they are more than what they believe they are. And I'm going to keep telling people that are bound, actually you're free because of what Jesus did. And because of what Jesus did, and that he lived a faith-based life, not a fan-based life, we can sow freedom into other people. Number one, if you have people that don't get you, and you know the motive of your heart is right, it's okay. It's okay. And I I believe there's people in here, and you need to be freed from that today. You need to be set free from the, the fact there are things going on in, and voices and people don't get you and you feel that you need to prove yourself in some way. And God wants to set you free and say, it's only me that you need to be accountable to. It's only me. It isn't anybody else. That's the first one. If people don't get you, but your motive is right, you're in good company. Yeah you're in good company because that is exactly what happened to Jesus. When I, was, uh, when I was at the gym the other day, yeah, you can all laugh, I, ended, I went to this class, right, and suddenly realized that part of the class, I was going to encounter a punch bag. I have never encountered a punch bag in all my life. You're like, you're lucky if I encounter a pair of trainers. So I'm like, oh, okay, like, she gives me these gloves and I'm like, I have no option. And she's like, jab, hook, I'm like, but the thing that she said at the beginning, like Barry tried to tell me jab and hook before I left the house, and I was like, and, and I was there with a friend, and the woman who was doing the instructing, she stood in front of these punch bags, I haven't gone violent anybody by the way, so say this is a punch bag, I did try a few people who I thought looked after themselves, and, and, and a few men that might have punch bags, and uh, they didn't, so I'm like, oh, I thought you kept fit, but you don't own a punch bag, I'm not saying anything sitter <laughs> I'm like, if anyone's going to have a punch bag in this church, it'll be sitter, nope, so if this was the punch bag, so pardon my, but it looks a little like a punch bag, it was black, so the instructor is saying about, this is what you're doing, this is what you're doing, she said, do you know something, she said, whose face would you put on the punch bag? <laughs> I was like, oh, don't get me started. She was like, some of you may have a lot of faces. And I was like, give me another punch bag. No, I wasn't. <laughs> I'm only joking. You've got to have fun, haven't you? A disclaimer for the recording. I was, uh, this is a joke. Um, it's only a joke because here what I'm wearing, I'm going to admit. But, but the fact was, she was saying this. Who would you put on the punch bag? And I was looking at the other people in the class. And you could almost see that was triggering them. <laughs> and I'm like, Lord Jesus. And, and you could almost see that it was triggering them and they could think of people and it was getting them going and it was getting the regression going. And, and then I remembered a verse out the Bible. And this is the second phase to this message. How did Jesus cope when people betrayed him, right. called him, hurt him, on, misrepresented him? How did he cope. So you see on this punch bag and people are all putting their names and faces on it of all the different people. I believe Jesus saw beyond the people. I believe he saw beyond the faces of the people. And the reason why I believe that 
was because it says in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Therefore, I couldn't in all conscience put anybody's face on there. I couldn't in all conscience do that. Because I know that there is an enemy the minute we accept Christ, we have an enemy who wants to derail our lives. We like to talk about God and how wonderful it is and the cross and that is absolutely what we hold up there. But we would be wrong to not notify you, which isn't even the right word, but I can't find the right word. (laughs) I am notifying you, get the memo. (laughs) There is an enemy. There is an enemy. And the minute we name the name of Christ, what happens is there is a target on us. And he will do everything, everything in his restricted power. And I say restricted because he is defeated. He will do everything in his restricted power to derail us and to stop us from living the best life now. And if he can do that through people's voices, he'll do it through people's voices. If he can do it through a TV program, he'll do it through a TV program. If he can do it on something on the internet, he'll do it on something on the internet. If he can do it through your career, he'll do it through your career. If he can do it because of of you feeling that you've got to prove yourself, so then you take your eye off Jesus and you look at other people, he'll do it that way. He will try and derail us whichever way we can. Whichever way he can. He is out to distract us. And so what happens is like when Jesus walking along and, and they're saying, well, he must be a Satan. And actually, if you are who you say you are, you need to prove yourself. In that moment, if Jesus had saw the faces of those people, he would have been distracted from the call. But Jesus saw beyond. Jesus saw that actually this is an enemy trying to derail me. This is the enemy that's trying to derail me. He didn't turn around and try and change them. He spoke truth because it was right in that moment for him to do that. But he kept doing what he was meant to do because he knew, I am not fighting against these people. I am fighting against the spirit behind these people. You see, the thing is, when people are behaving in a certain way, what is happening is the people are just being used as part of his strategy. And so we need to start meaning business. And we need to know what it's like to, have, to do spiritual warfare. And we need to, to go for the spirit behind what's happening, not go for the people. Right. Sometimes it's right to speak truth. A lot of time, it's right to keep quiet. And I have learned that over the years. It's right to keep quiet and let God do what only he can. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. It is stuff that we aren't seeing. If someone tries to derail me, they're not trying to derail me. There is a spirit, the spirit in the unseen world, there is a fight going on. And I'm standing for something. I'm standing for something so the enemy is attacking what I am standing for. He isn't attacking Vicky Cross, but often I feel like he is. But he's not attacking Vicky Cross. He's attacking what I stand for. And I stand for freedom. And I stand for forgiveness. And I stand for eternity. And I stand for heaven. And I stand for the power of the Spirit of God. And so what happens is the enemy tries to derail me because of what I stand for. Not because of me. And some people in here today, God wants you to know, it's not that people have got it in for you. It's an unseen world. It's an unseen world and the people that are going at you and going for you, they think it's you. They're just part of a chessboard. They're just part of a game. And God wants you to know today, the motive of your heart is pure. Keep on going. Don't let the faces and the names of people get in your way. Know that it's something in the unseen world that is going on. And it's gone for you because of what you stand for. Against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Jesus knew it's not them. You know when Jesus hung on the cross and he had been whipped 
and he'd been beaten and he had to carry this cross and he'd been spat at and he'd had a crown of thorns. Like, not to mention everything else that had gone on in the years leading up to it. Do you know what he did? He hung on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Because Jesus saw beyond the faces. Jesus saw beyond. Jesus didn't spend time sitting with these people and eating with these people that day. He didn't spend time doing that. He just kept on going. And he just kept on going. And he just kept on going. Till he met the person that was open to him. Who he could say, come with me. Let's eat together. Come with me. But if it had stopped at the voices of the spirit that was trying to derail him, he would have never have reached where he needed to be. He would have never been able to speak to that life that was about to be set free. Jesus always saw beyond the person that it was the enemy trying to take him out and the people were just part of the strategy. But if we see people as the enemy... then we're stuck. Because our eyes, once again, are off the spiritual things. And we just see the people. We just see the people. And God says we are not fighting flesh and blood. We're fighting principalities and power of the dark world, of the unseen world. And the enemy is just using whatever he can. He's not bothered what he uses. He's not bothered how much it hurts you. He's not bothered if you're trapped. He'll just use whatever he knows will work. Whatever will push your button, he will use. And I am saying this for us to be aware. For there to be things I believe God is highlighting things in our lives right now. And he's been doing this to me as I've been preparing this. And I say that every time because I'm never going to get up and share a message that God has not challenged me about first. And I won't be challenged about. Whatever it is, the enemy will push a button. And I believe now that God and the Holy Spirit is moving amongst us and highlighting stuff of, oh gosh, I fell into a trap there. And there's no condemnation in that. Actually, there's freedom in that. There's freedom in acknowledging of, hey, I never realized before. I fell into a trap there. And there is freedom in that because it's acknowledging what the enemy has used to try and derail us and what the enemy has used to try and trap us. The people you have thought that have come to take you out and to crush you. The situations you have thought have come to take you out and, and, and to trust you. It's just the enemy using whatever he can. Yeah. After Jesus being hurt, betrayed and misunderstood, he just kept going. So the first point was if people misrepresent you and people don't get you, but your motive is right, it's okay. Number two, it's the enemy trying to derail you. It's not people. It's not people. It's the enemy. Identify that it's the enemy. Identify that it's the enemy. And after all the hurt and betrayed and being misunderstood, Jesus speaks these words. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Sometimes that sounds appealing. (laughs) But I say, Jesus is saying, love your enemies. You see, that's why I have no right to put anybody's name or face on that punch bag. Because I'm dealing with something spiritual, not flesh and blood. And even when it's coming at me through flesh and blood, (laughs) Jesus says, love your enemies. Love your enemies. To love your enemies doesn't mean you have to invite them into your world and you have to sit with them and you have to eat with them. We have to use wisdom. Because what we have to see is, okay, this situation is not good for me at the moment. I'm aware it's not them. I'm aware it's not my boss. I'm aware it's not this. I'm aware it's not that. But I am aware that there's a spirit behind what's going on. 
and I am not going to allow that to get close to me. To love them means to hold nothing in your heart. Now, I'm aware that this message of forgiveness and loving enemies for some people might be really, really challenging. Sometimes forgiveness is hard. I heard um, just the other day, and you've heard anyone heard of the preacher Joyce Mayer? She says this publicly in her own message. Clearly, she hasn't told me this personally. I knew some of her testimony. I didn't know the whole of her testimony. And for this woman to be able to preach on forgiveness, it shows what Jesus can do, no matter what we've been through. Joyce Mayer, what children have we got in? (laughs) He's put his hand up. (laughs) Um, Joyce Mayer went through a lot at the hands of a father. Yeah, and I mean a lot. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to be really careful what I say, but I'm on about real graphic stuff, what she went through. Her father completely um, took her purity away, took everything away over 200 times as a child. And one day he picks her up from school and he takes her in the car down a side road and he does it again. And the police turn up. And she's like, at last, at last someone to help me. And the father paid the police and they did the same to her. But this lady preaches forgiveness. She preaches forgiveness because she knows that God will heal even the most broken of hearts. God will heal the one that feels that they can trust nobody. And so you may be sat there saying, Vicky, you don't even know what's gone on in my world. And Vicky, I know the home you've grown up in, and I know you've been loved. So I tell you the story of Joyce Mayer because I don't want you to think that I'm making light of some of the situations that you may have gone through in your life. And the fact that to love your neighbor, to love your enemy... It's a big, big thing. It's a big, big thing. But I use the testimony of Joyce Mayer to say, with God's help, you will come through. And I use that to say, he sets you free. And you don't need to carry this any longer. (coughs) To love them is to hold nothing in your heart. Remember, we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against spirits. Then it says, pray for those who persecute you. You see, forgiveness, love leads to prayer. Now that prayer at first might be, God, I'm just praying for them. Because you can't feel much more than that for them. Because you know what they've done. And you just start there. God, I'm just praying for them. But then as you start to do that, you see, your prayer, I heard uh, a preacher say this, and I thought it was incredible, I'm actually writing it down. Your prayers to someone else may or may not change them, but it will change you. Because when we come to Jesus with our brokenness, when we acknowledge that, okay, this is somebody that's done something to me, but I am seeing that there's a spirit behind it that has tried to derail me. I see that there's a spirit behind it that has tried to rob my life. And we begin to pray for them. Something happens in us. Something happens in us. And Jesus knows exactly what it's like to be violated by people to be misrepresented by people, to be hurt by people, to be abandoned by people, to be lied about by people. Whatever end of the spectrum, Jesus knows what it's like. And Jesus himself says, love them. Love them. Doesn't mean you have to bring them into your world. Just means we need to forgive. We need to stop seeing the faces and go, okay, God, Your word says that we don't fight against flesh and blood, but we're fighting against the unseen world. 
A fan-based life or a faith-based life is a choice. Number one, if people don't understand you, and people don't get you, but your motive is right, it's okay. Number two, it's not people trying to derail you. It's the enemy trying to derail you. So you need to get your fight on. on. You need to get your fight on. You need to rise up spiritually, knowing who you are in Christ, knowing that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. I love that song that we're singing at the moment, Living Hope. And it talks about his body, his lifeless body began to breathe. Out of the silence, the roaring lion declared, the grave has no hold on me. Because Jesus, yours, is the victory. And today, out of the silence, out of where we feel like we've been so hurt, we've been so trapped, out of the silence, the roaring lion, the roaring lion, there's a roar within us where we need to spiritually start to rise up and take ground. Like Barry said this morning, that the Lord will give back to us the years that the locusts have eaten, that God will give back to us all that the enemy has tried to take above and beyond because his is the victory. Remember, it's the enemy that's trying to derail you. And the last one is love them and pray for them. Love them and pray for them. However that looks for you, start somewhere. Because when all these people have done everything they've done for all those years leading up to the cross, Jesus still hung on the cross and said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. He saw beyond the people. He saw beyond the people. And where we see faces of people that have done things to us, we need to allow God to take care of them. Hand it over to God. It's not your battle to fight any longer. It's not for you to prove yourself. It's not for you to show yourself. Don't get derailed. Don't stop along the way to try and prove yourself to people. God is saying today, you have nothing to prove because I am your God and I love you. You have nothing to prove. If Jesus had lived a fan-based life, he would have lived a life of limit and he would have lived a life of restriction. But he chose to live a faith-based life because he knew what he needed to do. He knew that there were people's lives that he needed to reach. I know that there's people's lives I need to reach through my testimony. I know that there's people's lives I need to reach through what I've been through. And I made a commitment to God when in early 20s I gave my life back to him and I surrendered everything. I said, God, whatever it takes. And I made this promise through the enemy trapping me for too many years in a situation. And I said this to God, I will make it count for something. I will make it count for something. And I made a decision that day that whatever the enemy tried to steal from me, I would take it back and I would make it count for something. That I would make it count towards somebody else's freedom. That I would make it bring glory to God. That I was not gonna let the enemy rob me any longer. I got my fight on. I got my fight on and I stood up out of the ashes that I felt I was in and I said, no more. This will count for something. This will count for something. And as we go into this next song, I believe there's some people in here and you need to get your fight on because we are not dealing with flesh and blood. We're dealing with the spiritual realm. And if we continue to sit back and allow ourselves to be trapped and we continue to sit back and just look at this and just look at that and just look at the other, we will live a life of restriction and a life of limit which God never, ever intended for us. What's God saying to you today? I know he's brought this message to bring freedom. I know he has. 
Are you living a fan-based life that is surrounded by people's faces? Or are you living a faith-based life for an audience of one? An audience of one. The one who supplies all your needs. The one who heals your broken heart. The one who frees you from condemnation. The one that frees you from shame. And lifts you up as the child of God that you are. God has come after you today. You know, as we were singing that song, it says, there's no shadow you won't light up. God has shone his light on dark places in your life today where you have been trapped. It says, there's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down coming after me. There have been lies sown into people's lives to tell you, you will never be free. You will never be free. You will never be free from the voices. You will never be free from the faces. You will never be free from the trauma. But God today has shone his light. He has shone his light over our lives. And he is saying, you are free. You are free. I am tearing the lie down, God says. And he is saying to you, you are free. You are free. You are free. Whether you feel free or not, if you know Jesus, the truth is you are free. You are free. You are free. And as we sing this again, I want you to, you've maybe never done this before and it's a big thing. I want you to lift your arms as we sing this. And in lifting your arms, it's it's symbolizing I am free. I am free. There is no chains that are holding me. I am free. I am free.
know where it all begins? It all begins at the cross of Jesus. And if you would say, I know about Jesus, but I don't know Jesus, that you haven't accepted that forgiveness. The forgiveness began at the cross because when he hung there to die, his blood covered all our sins. It forgave everything, past, present and future. And that's where it all began. And if you're here today, I want you to know, first of all, that you are not here by accident. That God has brought you here. He may have used someone to bring you, but he's brought you here. And if you have never prayed that prayer where you open yourself up to God and you accept the miracle of the cross, the forgiveness of the cross, the sacrifice that Jesus paid when he said, Father, forgive them. You know when he said, Father, forgive them? He was saying, Father, forgive Vicky Cross because she doesn't know what she's done. That's where it all begins. If we just all just close our eyes for a moment. And I want to give anybody opportunity. And you know I've not had that moment where I've accepted Jesus into my life. And I'm just hearing about a lot of stuff. But it's not real to me. Just for a moment, I just want you to put your hand up. I just want you to put your hand up. I'm not going to labor this. We're going to move on very quickly. Two people have already done that today. I see your hand. You've joined the others that have already done this this morning. And you know as you do that and you acknowledge your need of Jesus and giving your life to Jesus, it says all of heaven rejoices. All of heaven rejoices. We're going to pray this prayer together now. Because you know what? We're family. And we pray it with the person who's raised their hand today. God, we thank you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for today. I thank you that you have got me here for this moment. Thank you for the sacrifice of the cross. Thank you that when you're hung there, you thought of me. Thank you that the cost to you has covered all my sins. And today I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ died for me and he rose again. And today I give my life to him. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I'm just going to pray a prayer. Rejoice with heaven. Let's rejoice with heaven. I'm just going to pray a prayer over anybody else who today has just handed over that unforgiveness has acknowledged what they need to do. And if that's you, you can put your hand up. I'm just going to pray your prayer. God, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that today in this house, freedom has been found. We thank you that people have come in one way and are leaving another because of your great sacrifice, because of what you did, because of your forgiveness towards us. And so I pray for each life represented here. Lord, I pray for a boldness that they have never, ever known before, a a supernatural boldness in their lives. I pray, Lord, for clarity of thinking when the enemy tries to come in and derail them using different situations, that they would remember this moment in time, this moment in time where you have shone your light on the darkness and you have shown them you are free and you don't need to fight that situation because I'm fighting it for you. And everybody said, Amen.
Lord, for this amazing congregation. Lord, the, the church, the strength of this church. It's not the building or the finances or anything like that. It is the people. Lord, every single one of us is a vessel for your Holy Spirit. So, Lord, the more people we have, short, tall, fat, thin, young, old, whatever they are, Lord, the more vessels we have, Lord, and we have every description of vessel in this church, Lord. Every single one is a strength, a vessel for you, to be used by you, Lord, to promote your kingdom, to do your work through, Lord, a part of the body of Christ. So, Lord, we pray health for the body. Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us over this coming week. Lord, and bless us with a, a, a blessing of your grace. Not a, a deserved blessing, Lord. Lord, but a blessing of grace, Lord. Something that we didn't deserve this week. Lord, we pray that you would bless us with in these coming days. In Jesus' name. And amen. Said, amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Head to the cafe. We've got a partners meeting, but before that, there is ice creams being served down in the cafe. And uh, please, can we vacate this room because we can talk better down there? And uh, if we linger in here, I'm going to set the fire alarm off. <laughs>